Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Tuesday, talking some USC football with our good friend, Dan Weber, the writer and columnist for uscfootball.com. Lots of football to get to. Of course, big weekend coming up against Washington, but we want to talk about the win over Oregon as well. USC's on a five-game winning streak, which wouldn't have believed if you told me that, you know, a month and a half ago when USC was one and three, but here we are and lots to talk about on that. Uh, if you have any questions or comments for us, just go to our website, peristylepodcast.com, our email, our phone number, all of our contact information is up there on peristylepodcast.com. We have our own iTunes page, itunes.com slash peristylepodcast. A lot of different ways to get a hold of us, consume the show. If you're on iTunes or any of the podcasting apps like Stitcher or Audio Boom, like us, follow us, leave us some feedback. We love to hear from you. Let people know that you like the Peristyle Podcast. And uh Dan, welcome to the show. Wanted to talk about the game. It's uh I wouldn't have like I said, I wouldn't have believed it, you know, six weeks ago that you'd say, Oh, USC's would win five in a row and uh, have game day up in Seattle for USC versus Washington. Yeah, they're they're still kind of the in the supporting cast. Uh you know, as far as I'm concerned, it's absolutely ludicrous that they're not ranked at this point. I mean, if you look at you know, there's fifteen teams ranked ahead of them, USC'd probably be favored if they played. Uh uh Washington isn't one of them, so this is a chance for Washington to show off the you know the new stadium or the redone stadium and um uh, a chance to show you know for Jake Browning you know his Heisman trophy uh you know moment maybe. Uh this is their their you know chance to show who they are, what they can do. Uh, and you know, it's great for USC to be part of that. I think I, it was really interesting. Last night, the Pac-12 Network chose to replay the 2011 USC game at Oregon. Uh, by far, Lane Kiffin's best game, of, you know, his coaching career. I mean, that, that, and that was, you know, a team that, again, shouldn't have lost two of those games. They, they lost two, and they finished 10 and 2, couldn't go to the playoffs, couldn't go to the Pac-12 championship game. But you realize, that was a really good football team USC had had that that night in uh, in Seattle, and how many of those guys are in the NFL, and how they went after uh, you know the Ducks who were I don't know fourth or so in the country, something like that. And a big night. Phil Knight had brought in all his NBA stars. LeBron, you know, LeBron was on the sidelines, and and all those people. And uh, USC really took it to them. You know, they sort of hit a. Monty Kiffin collapsed in the fourth quarter and still held on on a missed field goal. But I get the sense that, you know, could this be one of those moments uh, for this USC team? They'd have to grow up. That team, when you watch them, you realize there's some men playing for that USC football team. Red Ellison, you know, Matt Khalil, uh, uh, a healthy Mark Tyler, uh, maybe the best game I've ever seen, uh, you know, Matt Barkley play. So, for this USC team to say, okay, we're getting to the place where some of those teams got at the end of the seasons, um, they this is the week they got to step up and, and show what they can do. Um, the step up and show what you can do is important. Uh, it's this game, Dan. I think a lot of USC fans have circled on the calendar. Uh, they want to know: Is this team for real? Um, they look at the competition, the defenses that USC's played. Uh, it was, you know, the, some of the worst defenses in the country, uh, in Arizona State, Cal, and, and Oregon. This Washington team is not. And so I think even they want, you know, the one they've won five in a row, uh, there's still a lot of USC fans that are doubtful, uh, to be nice, uh, about Clay Helton. And they're circling this game as this is the one. This is the one that tells you, what kind of team USC is. I don't know if that's fair or not, but that seems to be the way people are leaning right now. Yeah, it's probably not fair. I mean, let's face it. They outplayed Utah uh, in Sam Donald's first game. At Utah, they had weather. 
uh, without the three fumbles, they beat Utah by a couple of touchdowns, easy. Uh, and certainly, you know, out statistic them for whatever that's worth. Uh, uh, then you look at the Colorado game. Colorado, who keeps moving up and moving up, and and USC probably should have beaten them by three touchdowns. Uh, you know, was you know, I'm still mad at Juju and and the posters who thought what a great play for him to hit the dirt, you know hit the dirt and not make it 28-17 with a minute to go. Yeah, that was a great play. So now everybody can basically say, yeah, USC was lucky to beat Colorado. Colorado was you know probably should have won that game. Knowing, not knowing anything about the fact that USC had a couple hundred yards more than, than Colorado and, uh, should have won going away and again, turned the ball over and, uh, you know, the score didn't represent that game. But, you know, they're actually on a pretty good run. I mean, you know, they, they were clearly better than Colorado ranked 15th and they were probably clearly better, you know, than Utah to start the run, you know, so. Uh, it hasn't been that bad a run. I mean, you can't, you know, you can't substitute your schedule. I mean, you, you play who you play. For example, you can say, well, Oregon's terrible, but they were averaging 519 yards a game and they ran their offense on everybody. They certainly ran the ball on everybody they played and they played, you know, some pretty good teams and, you know, almost beat Nebraska and, uh, USC held them to 288 yards offense. And, you know, less than 100 running the ball. I mean, they just didn't let them play. So I know people say, well, we're waiting for Washington. But there has been improvement. I don't think there's there's any question that this team has incrementally improved through, you know, the October schedule, no matter, you know, what you're, you're going to say uh, about how they got to Washington. You know, read, listen to what the Washington people are saying about U.S., not, the, not their fans. Obviously, uh, you know, I'd be like paying attention to what a lot of the guys. No, I won't say that. Uh, but uh, look at what, uh, uh, you know, Chris Peterson had to say about USC. And I don't I don't think he spends a lot of time blowing smoke. But uh, I think they know that they better play really well uh, the way this USC team is playing. Dan, we got a lot to uh, get to in the show, a bunch of questions and stuff. And when it's also... Election Day. So happy Election Day, everybody. Hope you went out and voted. Uh, I know Dan and I both just talked about it before the show. We both went out there and voted. And uh, you want to get out there? Dan, if you want to go out and vote, you want to look good. And so our sponsor for this show, Dollar Shave Club, has been great to us. It's, been, it's a lot of fun uh, talking about Dollar Shave Club and getting to know more about them and, and using their products. But you want to get out there, Dan. You want to look good when you're voting. And you don't have to choose between price and quality if you want to get a great shave. So dollarshaveclub.com is the answer. Dollarshaveclub slash USC. If you want to get the USC deal, we'll talk about it in a second. But they have great razors. They'll deliver it right to your door. A third of the price of what you're going to pay in the stores. You don't have to go in there behind lock and key and people looking at you, security guards checking you out because you're trying to buy a razor. You don't want to be hassled by all that kind of stuff. Uh, just go to dollarshaveclub.com slash USC and they'll hook you up. So here's your chance. You can see why over 3 million members like me love Dollar Shave Club. Dollar Shave Club, excuse me, Dollar Shave Club, so confident in the quality of all their products, now you can get your first month of the club for free. Just pay for the shipping. After that, it's just a few bucks a month. There's no long-term commitment, no hidden fees, no reason not to do it. So go get yours, dollarshaveclub.com slash USC. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash USC. Let me know if you try it out. Uh, send me an email, podcast at uscfootball.com. Let me know how you like it. I've been Using it, and like I said before, I'm shaving a lot more often now that I have the Dollar Shave Club. So, uh, yeah, good stuff. I don't know if you were clean shaven, Dan, when you went out and voted today. Hopefully, you were. You know what? I was just thinking about that. Uh, the the cleaner shaven you are, the easier it makes it to put that "I voted" sticker <laughs> on your cheek if you want. You know, if you want to really uh, be proud of the fact that you voted, uh, you don't want to do that if you've got a beard. Uh, no. <laughs> so, uh, get yourself shaved up nicely and. Uh, and put that sticker on. I got my got got mine on my shirt right now, wearing it yeah. wearing it proudly. So, uh, do you get do you wear it here today, or just throw it away? <laughs> no, I still got it. I may wear it to practice. Yeah, yeah. I saved it. Yeah, I saved yeah, it. Yeah, I'll, 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 I'll take all the uh, all the credit when I get to practice. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, there'll probably be a lot of political talk. I would guess at practice today. We'll see. But 
Uh, of course, USC back they, on. They, oh. they kind of keep it quiet around me. They, <laughs> <laughs> they, no, no, we've been good this year. It's not. I mean, one year, you know, I still remember some of the, the guys who'd been on the beat a long time, some columnists and that. We all started talking, and they just assume if you're a newspaper guy, a media person, they just assume you are on the side of wherever all the media people are, which that's pretty well documented. And they found out I wasn't, and I'm really not on that uh, on that side that uh, you know you assume the media people are on. And it became like a really very quiet uh, moment there because uh, it just you know when you say no 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 that's not how I think, and um, it, it goes into a whole different direction. So it, it's interesting though we're uh, we're kind of in a minority in the media. Uh, if we're on on one side of the p- political spectrum from uh, where most of the media is, yeah. Well, I mean, I I came up as a an engineer. Um, you know, I wasn't in like the the media to start, so I kind of joined that later. So I I definitely came from a different uh, political view than uh, most of our colleagues out there. So yeah, it's a uh, it's kind of fun, you know. But it's good. It's, we like to talk about stuff, and it's uh it's cool. I'm sure we'll be talking about a lot today. Everyone checking their phone. Sometimes you're checking your phone, checking the World Series score. At a practice, now it's going to be checking the election results. Well, I will say this. Uh, Zach Halfand and uh, Joey Crawford are really uh, political junkies. So those are two new guys on the beat who really pay attention to politics. And uh, it's fun to you know talk politics with them because they really they know what they're talking about, and that makes it kind of, kind of an even uh, matchup. Uh, so that's fun. Well, let's, uh, let's jump into some of these questions, Dan. Um, We'll go with Ron to start. Uh, well, actually, I wrote down Ron, but then he said, this is Ray. Uh, so maybe I wrote his name down wrong. But then the question, he says, this is Ray. So sorry, Ray, if you were Ron, but you are now Ray. Uh, yet another Trojan fan in SCC country. Love the podcast. Never miss an episode. Wish you guys could do it daily. Question is for Dan. Given how this team is now performing in almost every phase of the game with 500 plus yards average, suffocating defense, even special teams, uh, how about that innovative Pittman return? Kudos to Coach Baxter. Isn't it time for the fans calling for Helton to be replaced to give it a rest? He's proven that uh, he can build a staff, that he can convince his guys to buy in and play hard for him, even after the rough start. And now USC is blowing out teams in the Coliseum again. I miss this feeling. Uh, he wasn't my first or second choice, but he has this team rolling, and that's all that matters, right? Thanks for taking my question. Fight on and beat the Huskies. From Ray. Yeah, Ray. I, I, I don't think there's any question. I mean, uh, obviously he wasn't anyone's first choice in the normal way of, of choosing things, uh, you know, but he clearly would be on a, you know, in a better place than, than, you know, the issues that, uh, that Lane and, and Sark brought with him. And the fact that, you know, yeah, were they not prepared in September? Absolutely not. Did they make a lot of mistakes that, uh, you know, you could attribute to the fact that you're a first year coach? Yeah, we've had, I've had this discussion with, you know, Coach O, o a great deal about, you know, the mistakes he made at Ole Miss in those, uh, three years and you try to do everything and, you, you know, you really, you know, I think Coach Bryant always, Bear Bryant always said it best. He said, your job is to coach your coaches. They coach the players. You've got to understand how to do that. And a transition from someone who's always coached the players to now you got to coach your coaches, that's not easy to do. And so uh, so they were really uh, not prepared well and not, you know, suited well for that first month. But the fact that they didn't, you know, just throw it in and just say, the heck with this, you know, we're out, you know, that, that they've kind of, you know, rallied around. I mean, I thought the game they went up and played at Utah was, you know, was terrific. They, they, again, they didn't understand how many guys you got to have rotating on defense and, and they were a little careless and trying too hard, turning the ball over and some penalties that really hurt them. But, um, uh, you know, that says an awful lot about a coach, uh, you know, that they're really doing everything they can. Uh, are they doing it perfectly? No. Are they disciplined? No. I mean, you have 13 penalties in each of the last two games. Something's not right. I mean, that's just, you know, and that that's coaching. I mean, that's discipline. That's focus. So do they have things they still got to get accomplished? Yeah. 
should the conversation be about, you know, replacing the head coach at the end of the year? No, not, not even a little bit. Uh, and, and, and it, it won't be when you look at and say, wow, what kind of shape was Oregon in? And then you're looking at the next couple of weeks and you're saying, wow, what kind of shape is UCLA and, and Notre Dame in? Uh, and so USC by comparison, you know, to those, those three, you know, rivals is, is in a whole different place, even, you know, with a brand new coach who hasn't ever coached before and wouldn't be able to get the job on the open market. And, you know, could you say, yeah, he wouldn't be hired by any other team in the Pac-12? There's no question about that. He would not have been hired at the start of this year by any other program in the Pac-12. That doesn't necessarily mean anything. I mean, people keep making that argument. I don't think that argument means anything. You know, now we're getting a chance. He's doing his job interview now. He's building his resume now. A lot of people would say, gosh, I wish for a job as good as the USC job. That would happen before, you know, you get the job, but it didn't. And, you know, to say that this hasn't been extraordinary circumstances, I mean, let's, USC he has to be the first program in uh, major college football history to fire two coaches in midseason two years apart. That, that's never happened before, anything like that. So anything that follows is probably going to be fairly extraordinary too. Uh, now we watch it play out, and I think it's playing out pretty well. Um, you mentioned the penalties, and uh, there's a lot of questions, Dan, we got on penalties. Um, I'll read you two of them. Tarek is quick. He said, is USC that undisciplined or are the Pac-12 refs that bad? And uh, Correct. So- <laughs> I'll I, I answer that one right. Okay. Correct. So both. Okay. <laughs> All right, Tarek. So, Correct. Uh, yes is the answer. <laughs> a little bit of both. Um, yeah. Stephen Poway wrote in, while the Oregon defeat was great to watch, I was frustrated watching USC get flagged so many times for penalties. On one play, I saw Zach Banner get flagged for holding uh, as he was actually trying to chase down the defender from behind as the defender rushed the quarterback, but Banner wasn't even able to catch him, so how could he have held him? Here's my question. Roughly what proportion of USC's penalties do you think were legit penalties that we should be concerned about, and how many were due to poor officiating? It's hard for me to know whether to be angry at the team or the, the Pac-12 officiating crew? I think the answer is probably yes, again. Uh, yeah. One thing is certain, if we are flagged that many times next week in Seattle, the team will not be celebrating an upset victory on the plane ride home. Steve and Poway. Yeah, Steve, I think uh, Clay, he had kind of an answer for that, where you you got to, because he won't say anything bad about the officials, even though apparently during the game he was saying some bad things about the officials. Uh, but he said, and I thought, you know, Coming off the World Series, and, and we get such great camera work now on the uh, on the home plate home plate umpires, and he said basically you got to understand who's calling the game, how they're calling it, and you've got to adjust. If they're you know guys throwing flags from everywhere and three and four flags coming in, you got to keep your hands to yourself. You know you want to run by somebody, you don't have to reach out and touch them. You got them covered, you know, man, if step for step, you know, like Iman Marshall will on a number of occasions. You don't also have to grab their jersey, you know. I mean, uh, and yet some of those penalties, apparently USC is just outraged over the fact that when they, you know, Oregon substituted, USC gets a substitute. And the USC sub was running off the field and Oregon snaps the ball. And the officials are supposed to allow you to make a sub to match their sub and they didn't let USC do it and they probably screwed up on that play I'm guessing that one got turned into the league uh, they called an illegal block on the USC punt coverage team I'm sorry and how how does the punt coverage team on defense basically commit an illegal block I don't think I've ever seen that uh, you know block below the, the knees you know, maybe it happened. I don't know, but would you trust the Pac-12 officials to get that right? Of course you wouldn't. You can't. They're the Pac-12. I mean, that's the problem. They keep talking about they're really trying. They're uh, doing much more education during the year. They're doing much more, you know, training, blah, blah, blah. But you go out there, there's games, and you see the same guys. 
that have been there forever. And you think, I'm sorry, if you can't officiate all the training in the world, you know, if you're a guy that, that you know, chokes up when the ball's in the air and you're thinking, ooh, what's this going to look like on film? Or is the home crowd going to scream at me? Or whatever, maybe I better throw a flag. If you can't officiate, all the training in the world isn't going to make you a better official. And that is the situation the Pac-12's in. They got guys that can't officiate. They got guys that can't handle the big moments. I mean, and I, I say this having spent pretty much time uh, in the SEC and in the Big Ten and pretty close to uh, a number of officials and just the quality of guys that were doing those games, there's a, more of a confidence, more of a, you know, we got this under control. I don't see that in the Pac-12. You get that deer in the headlights look that guys don't, they know this thing maybe is too much for them. And, and part of that is maybe the Pac-12 was the first league where everybody threw the ball and everybody ran on tempo and there are more plays and more calls, more judgments, more everything. But they just don't handle it as well as they really should. And, you know, game in, game out, you just come away thinking, well, you know, was that fair or not? It's really hard hard to know other than you see things you don't see anywhere else in the Pac-12. Yeah, some unique stuff going on. Um, two more I wanted to read for you about officiating. Uh, Neil from Manila. Uh, we love our international questions. How confident are you uh, guys from – for USC to learn how to minimize penalties and turnovers in preparation for Washington. Um, do, you, do you think USC has a chance there? And Eric and Duck Country, please give me a reason to believe the Trojans can play penalty-free football on Saturday. The offensive line will decide the outcome of the game. So uh, people concerned, yeah, not just of what has happened in the past, Dan, but what, what could happen this weekend. Yeah, and... You know, when you talk to Clay about it, he, he goes over and says, and he's, not, he's right, that the penalties came everywhere, on everybody, in every kind of a situation. You know, offense, defense, carelessness, uh, over, you know, exuberance, uh, you know, lack of focus. All, and you talk to the players, and, and again, it's every kind of reason you could possibly imagine. And how do you go about, at that point, you know, saying we're going to, you know, stop this. Uh, they haven't been big on officials during the season. I don't know that we've seen any. Once the season started, they really haven't brought any officials to the uh, uh, the practices. So, you know, I guess you could do that. I guess you could, you know, have the coaches start throwing flags and have guys, you know, running or, you know, doing up-downs or any kind of thing, you know, when they – although – we don't see that as much in practice now. You might say, well, shouldn't practice be more like games so that you can see how you're going to perform? And if you're not, you know, and they're not tackling and they're not taking people to the ground and maybe they shouldn't. Probably they shouldn't. But it's then you don't see the kind of, uh, you know, extended arm into the face mask area or, you know, the, you know, the hold and the grab if you're not really blocking the way you're going to be blocking in the game uh so the ability i thought that was always and it didn't help Pete carroll's teams uh but they did i thought get closer to game tempo and practice that would be my solution is to try to make practice as competitive and as game as much game tempo and game speed as you possibly could and game competitiveness uh and and just get them so that when they get to games they don't feel like they got to speed up. They don't feel like they got to do extra things that they, that was the genius of Pete. His teams believed when they got to the games, the games would be easier because they had to compete so hard at practice. They didn't go long and hit, uh, you know, an excessive amount, but they competed in a way, uh, at practice that, that it got them ready for games. Again, in some of those years, they were so much better than the rest of the Pac-12 that they got penalties, I think, and Pete figured that out. Uh, and they didn't penalize the other team just to keep the games close. I mean, I don't think they're statistically, you know, Pete one year figured out that statistically whoever played USC was going to get penalized about half as much 
is they got penalized in every other game they played, which made no sense. You know, you're playing USC. You're probably going to do more things to get penalized. So it was pretty obvious the officials were just trying to, you know, make it uh, a better game. But uh, but that was, you know, it's kind of disturbing that, you know, you would think that there would be something else going on other than just calling the game the way you saw it. And that's kind of always been the problem with Pac-12 officials, that you you think, what else is going on here? And often something is. Uh, let's go, Dan, to Steve had a question. He said, it's clear to me that Dominic Davis may be fast, but he's not quick or elusive, and he's definitely not a power back. So if Justin Davis and Akacedric Ware are not able to go Saturday against Washington, I believe Ronald Jones will need someone else to back him up. And I wonder if that could be a, could be the highly touted freshman Vave Malapai. Uh, I know he was injured early in the season and the plan clearly been to retro him this year. Uh, but this game against UW is too important not to pull out all the stops. While James Tolan, uh, looks strong in quote unquote garbage time with Vave, uh, Vavai be ready to go. Your thoughts. Thanks as always. You guys are the best in the business by far. And he said, P.S. Kudos to, Port Augustine for its coming out party against the Ducks. Well, a lot of good comments there, except for the fact that uh, I don't think they burned Vavai's, uh, uh, you know, red shirt for this game. Uh, he has looked good in practice. He hasn't, you know, I mean, he's just hit October and he's done a lot of special team stuff. I don't think this would be the time you'd want to break out a kid first time ever uh, in, a, in a football game at uh, at Washington, uh, I would just think uh, two things. I would think one, uh, Ronald will get more carries. That's not a bad thing. You know, if you're the guy that your coach says, "Boy, I hold my breath every time he gets the ball because he could take it all the way," I'd like him to have more carries. Twenty. He had twenty last week, and that's nice. What if he had twenty-five? That's five more chances to hold your breath. Maybe he'll go all the way. Uh, so I don't think 25 wears him down that much. And if I have to go with a second back to run the ball for USC, uh, I think that second back is uh, a guy by the name of Sam Darnold. And uh, uh, I think uh, some designated runs for Sam might be the way to go. Uh, you know, if you're going to try to get to 40 runs uh, on, on the offense, uh, you know, Start with uh, with Rojo with 25, and then and see where you go from there. But uh, that's kind of the way I'd go. I I don't think I would 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 put a freshman who hasn't played yet and has been injured for a good bit of the season, and uh, who does have a red shirt and who might be the kind of kid that he really might be able to benefit from a red shirt. I'm not as convinced that red shirts are that beneficial anymore for your top players. Uh, but, uh, he might be, uh, I think there are some ex- exceptions and I think the might be, might be one of those. So, so I'd say probably not. We had a comment from Otis. He said, no matter how you look at it, that was a great win. I think the main difference in this game is that Sam has struggled to connect on the deep ball, whereas Max Brown hasn't beat the Huskies, make a statement from Otis. There it is, my man, from uh, Animal House, I guess, wasn't it? Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, so he said Max Brown hasn't struggled. No, he was saying ball. Sam. He's having trouble with Sam Darnold struggling with the deep balls, but said Max Brown didn't. We didn't really. I mean, it's we don't have a whole lot of tape to look at Max mm. Brown throwing deep balls. To be fair, <laughs> I mean, he did. We he did throw it nice in practice, uh, but uh, I think with Sam, I think there are a couple of things. Uh, a couple of his deep balls, he's thrown out of scramble situations. We haven't seen much in the way of, uh, you know, just the straight play action where, uh, a couple of times, you know, we've had, you know, balls that hit off guys' hands that would have required a, 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 maybe a really good catch. But, but I think, you know, when he's just in there throwing it normally, uh, what you didn't see with Max was, uh, the fact that you didn't see those plays with Max because Max wasn't probably going to be scrambling and throwing off the back foot and that kind of thing where, uh, where, you know, Sam, that's just part of his game. 
and and what he can do for say 85 90% of his passing opportunities where he can scramble, keep his eyes downfield, throw on the run and throw with great accuracy. That's not as easy to do if you're trying to throw it 40, 45 yards uh, over a defender. And even in those cases, I think he gives the guy a chance, gives the receiver a chance to come back and get the ball. And that's not a bad thing. And except if you don't recognize that there's a, a safety coming over. And on the two, last two interceptions, both of those, Sam didn't see the safety coming over. And uh, that was the big mistake more than, uh, you know, the way he threw the ball. But, uh, yeah, he's got to probably recognize the fact that uh, if he's throwing the ball on the run, on the dead run, off his back foot, uh, without really getting planted, without getting a chance to turn his shoulders where, you know, you're trying to throw it 45 yards down the field with just your arm, that's a little bit, that's a little bit more difficult play. You know, you're not going to get much chance in practice to do that. Uh, but, um, but yeah, it gives him something to work on. But I think the recognition of where the safety is is more important than, uh, than his arm in those, uh, in those last couple of interceptions. We had a question from another international question, uh, that way down south it said, Ryan, this is John from Northeast Brazil. Uh, I'm not quite sure. I understand the concern about USC's defense. It seems to me that nobody is stopping anybody. Uh, Alabama can score. Ohio State can score. Washington can score. Uh, anyone can score. I don't see what the concern is about USC's uh, defense. Um, they seem to be able to make adjustments against the teams that want to do a certain type of offense. They seem to adjust well enough. Uh, at least they have been the last few games. What are your thoughts? Well, they certainly have taken away, you know, if you start through this series, I mean, they took away what Arizona State wanted to do. Though they had, you know, to do it with a, uh, uh, sure, uh, who was, who was still the, uh, the quarterback for them that game? Uh, but they took away what Colorado wanted to do and with two quarterbacks and their backup isn't, you know, isn't bad at all. And they certainly took away what Cal wanted to do with a, you know, senior or grad student, a uh, very experienced guy who came in just throwing the ball all over the place. And, you know, they got him off his spots and made him throw a little quick. And, uh, and then they, uh, uh, Justin Herbert, the freshman from Oregon, who, uh, again, had thrown for 10 touchdown passes the previous two games and he looked like a freshman against this, uh, against the USC defense. They, they, you know, they, they got him off his spots and they sacked him three times and you know they just uh have been able to to kind of rise to the case and while doing that they held oregon to what like 85 yards rushing and this is an oregon team that was leading the pac-12 and rushing at 248 yards a game i think and uh so yeah yeah i mean you know obviously you said nobody can stop anybody alabama can stop people and lsu can stop people and, uh, you know, Wisconsin looks like, uh, you know, even with, uh, our USC guy there, uh, they, uh, they can stop the people they've been playing. Uh, they can't maybe score enough points, uh, you know, to beat them. But, you know, there are a few teams that seem like they're, you know, they've figured out how to stop people, but I think USC is getting to be one of those teams. Um, and a couple of the last few games, you know, you take away the garbage points, you know, without the you know starters in, and USC's defense has played really well against teams who, you know, whether they can play defense or not, their offense has been performing, and uh, and they don't perform against USC uh, in in the recent games. So, so yeah, I'm not not as concerned. Although you know, this is the week that uh, you know Jake Browning has just been so efficient. And they've gotten people so wide open and Gaskin is, is awfully good, you know, running the ball and that, uh, Ross is the wide receiver is, is really, really, you know, talented, really dynamic, uh, player. So, uh, this will be the test. It'll be very, really interesting to see what Clancy does, how, what he tries to take away, how he tries to do that and, uh, how this team is able to, you know, to execute that under the, pressure of playing uh you know in husky stadium we got uh sergeant strong 
uh, U.S. Army, Fort Lewis, Washington. Thanks for your service, Sergeant. That's right. Our, our Washington man there. Great. Yeah. We'll be coming up there this weekend. Uh, well, SC won. SC is bowl eligible. And I, and he said, I'm still not sold on Helton yet. Is that bad? I don't know if USC is winning because, uh, Sammy D, Sam Darnold, is that good or if Helton is better as a coach. Help me here out here, boys. Thanks and fight on from Sergeant Strong. Well, I think the thing that I don't quite understand is uh, why Helton doesn't get credit to some extent for Sam being able to play the way Sam's playing. I mean, a lot of people, if you're the backup, you're not in the picture that much. What they did with Sam to, you know, create a short yardage situation and a red zone situation for him every game, you know, from the beginning of the season, that he wasn't just the typical backup like poor Max was to, you know, to Cody, where he was out of sight, out of mind pretty much. So Sam, when he was, uh, you know, inserted in that Utah game, he was ready to go. And so for that, I think, that's good coaching. I think that's really good coaching. I think, I think obviously the way they wanted to, you know, run the offense was more suited to what Sam can do, uh, to the, the fact that he makes it dif- more difficult to defend the run against USC. He just no, he just distributes the ball. You hear the wide receivers talking and they, you know, for years, USC, if you weren't the designated wide receiver, you could go take a seat on the bench at the end of a pattern. Uh, now they run like crazy and they keep running. And as long as the ball hasn't been, you know, released, they're all running to, you know, get to an open area because they know Sam might get it to them. So that has, has changed the offense a great deal. Uh, and yet, that's the offense that they wanted to run. Um, and they've changed the line blocking some. Uh, I think that's a good thing. And I think that's coaching and that's, uh, learning by, you know, what you weren't getting right. So I think a coach should get credit for that. Um, I think, um, Clay had a big part in, in convincing Clancy that you can't play with 12, 13 or 14 guys on defense in this league anymore. That, if you catch these teams when they really get a hot streak on offense, you know, and they're going to run 80, 90 plays if they can, 100 if they can, you better have, an, you know, you got to get more guys ready to play on defense. I think that that's something that, that I think Clay got right. Uh, and I think the fact that Clay got them to not, you know, throw in the towel. I got, he got them to, to say, you know, we can save this season and we can go out there and play hard. And um, that's a big deal. If you look at some of the other teams and you wonder, you know, are they still playing hard? And looks like USC is. I mean, they, they'll make the mistakes. They'll make the penalties, uh, you know, uh, all the kinds of things that maybe, you know, lack of discipline or, or lack of focus. Uh, but it isn't for lack of effort. It isn't la- for lack of trying. Uh, even though they're not hitting a great deal in practice, that doesn't carry over to the games. They're still going out and hitting people in those games. I mean, uh, you know, you want to, you doubt that. Watch Jack Jones on, uh, on special teams just once and see what happens. I mean, so they will hit you and, and that's a good sign. And I know, you know, people were all over Clay and he had gotten a bad start with the, you know, the holiday bowl and, and, and not taking a week of practice and, and getting run over by uh, a Wisconsin team that practiced in pads and, you know, took every day and came out and slugged it out, and USC wasn't ready for that. And that was a big mistake. Um, and Clay's tendency is to kind of be a player's coach that way, and and we'll see how that plays out. You know, I don't think the players are taking advantage, you know, of, of, of the way they practice, although – you know, I, I'm you know, we'll never get to see an Alabama practice. But my guess is when they come off the field, they're not giggling and backslapping and, and all that. And if you go to a USC practice, there's a good chance that's what they're going to be doing when practice is over. They may, they'll be running by you and they'll be giggling. They'll be having fun. Uh, it's a different way of, of doing things. Um, how that plays out in the long run, I don't know, but I don't think you, you need to feel negatively about play right now if you want to go into the whole history of city or shouldn't he that's one thing 
But if you want to go into, you know, how they're handling this year after the start they got, you got to be a little positive, I, I think, about that. I don't think there's any question. We have uh, Ron in Northern Virginia, which – is that one of the? Is that a battleground state there? I don't know, I'm not sure. I'm not. I don't know. It's kind of gone. Uh, kind of gone the other way, uh, which is kind of a shame. But uh, maybe they'll come back. We're 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 hoping on Virginia here. But uh, all right. I don't know. The governor has uh, has pardoned so many people who he thinks is gonna, are going to vote Democratic. So uh, I don't know <laughs> how that how that plays out. All right. We don't get too political here. I didn't know. I just said uh, ask it. All right. Um, <laughs> let's go. So he said. So this is Ron. He's in Northern Virginia. Thanks for keeping us East Coast Trojans in ACC territory informed about what's going on inside and outside of Heritage Hall. Clay Helton and his staff have done an excellent job uh, the past month. However, we always get this but. Uh, always a but, yeah. <laughs> ASU, Cal, and Oregon rank 124th, uh, 125th, and 127th out of 128 teams in total defense. The next three games. Now, let me, let me point this out, though. You can say that, but one of the reasons they're down there is they played USC. You know, I mean, you, you can that, that that's one of the circular arguments. You know, they're down there, but had they not played USC, they wouldn't be as far down on defense. Uh, so USC gets some credit for pushing them down to the bottom of the list. Had they played, you know, uh, Rutgers, they probably wouldn't be down at the bottom of the list. Uh, that's all. Um, so we, we put that, and then he said. The next three games are against Washington, UCLA, and Notre Dame, who rank 18th, 29th, and 50th in the nation, respectively. Utah, by comparison, is ranked 33rd. Uh, the team is playing much better, but the yeah, next... But you know what he hasn't said? Colorado is in the top 20 defensively. They, yeah, they are, too. Yeah, he left them out, huh? Okay. <laughs> he said the team is playing much better, but the next three teams have significantly better defenses than the previous three. With better defenses in front of us, the margin of victories will be much smaller, and turnovers and penalties will play a bigger role in deciding the outcome. Do you feel that UCLA or Notre Dame's defenses can neutralize the offensive advantage of USC and make these rivalry games nail-biters? Fight on from Ron in Northern Virginia. Well, I mean, I think statistically that's a, uh, that's a difficult ca- uh, category. For example, you're going to be way worse statistically if you're a team that tries to run 100 plays on offense the way Cal and Oregon do uh, and Arizona State and Arizona, you know, all those teams. So that's going to make their defense on the field much more and look terrible numbers-wise. If you've got a pretty much terrible offense the way Notre Dame and UCLA have and you slow the game down, your defense is going to look good statistically uh, because there aren't very many plays run in a game. So those teams have to slow the game down, uh, you know, because they're not going to do that well. UCLA can't run the ball. Notre Dame, I, I'm not sure what what all is going on with Notre Dame. Uh, but I do think they're more physical teams. I think they're a little, you know, more. Uh, they're tougher, uh, you know, have more of a tough mindset about them, Notre Dame and UCLA, and Washington certainly does. Uh so yeah, I think uh, that that's the question in terms of uh, just the toughness and the physicality that they try to play with, uh, you know, before, during, and after the whistle in some of those, you know, situations with some of those teams. USC's got to keep their poise. Uh, but yeah, I think those will be more physical games. Uh, whether you know their, you know, their defense has the uh, you know the ability to stay with USC if USC comes out and plays well, I don't know. Whether USC's offensive line has the ability, uh, you know, they they block some things really well. Uh, there are others when they just hit the lineup and knock you off the line of scrimmage, they don't do as well. How that plays out against Notre Dame and UCLA, I, I don't think we we really know uh, yet. But but I wouldn't get caught up in the fact that you know a couple of teams are way down at the bottom of the list that have already played USC and a couple of teams that haven't played as many dynamic offenses are um, are are ranked higher in terms of overall defense that that may not be you know as much of a difference as we think it is although if you're Notre Dame and UCLA you know you have to play defense to stay in football games well I want to give a shout out to Lamar from the desert he um I mean we talked about like what he wrote in about but he 
basic thing was talking about what you said at the top where USC's, uh, could, would be favored against many of the teams ranked ahead of them in the rankings. So I just wanted to, we already kind of discussed that, but, um, I thought that was a, a point I wanted to bring up from, from Lamar. And then, uh, we have okay. one. Oh, and we like anybody that agrees with us. Good job, Lamar. <laughs> yeah, I do agree with you. He, he says USC is the second best team in the Pac-12. And, uh, we do our podcast of champions power rankings and we're, I'm probably moving USC up to number two, uh, when we do our show this week, uh, even above Utah. We've kept them below Utah, but just the way watching the two teams play, um, if they played tomorrow, I think USC would be favored. So it's a power ranking. So I think right now I definitely put USC number two, uh, behind Washington. And I give ESPN credit. ESPN's got USC up to number 12 this week uh, in their power, in their national power rankings. And, and I don't disagree. And they've got Colorado number 13. <clears throat> and I think, you know, anybody that saw that game would not have Colorado ranked ahead of USC. But I think that's a good ranking. I think rank 12 is kind of where this USC team is. I don't think there's any question. If you're ranking them this week, where are they? Uh, that's where I'd put them. Yeah, who would you be favored against and stuff like that? Obviously, you got the three losses, but um, let's uh, one last one. We have uh, our buddy Nick uh, from Cyprus, big big Nick twenty one USC on the Peristyle. He says, "Can you give us uh, any status update on Don Hill, Osa Messina, Jabari Ruffin, and Chuma Adoga? Are they for sure never coming back? Are they going to graduate or transfer from USC? Just curious where they stand. Is there any chance they ever don Cardinal and gold again? Fight on, love what you guys do." Beat the living bleep out of uh, the UW dog pound. Hey, Chuma played uh, Saturday, so yeah, Chuma's Chuma's fine. He's I mean he's gonna be, I you know, for all the rumors that people, I mean I don't know if it's the same guy that posts them here and then somebody re, or posts them somewhere else and then somebody posts it like it's you know news. But where could he go that would give him? I mean he's probably going to be starting on what could be a really good USC offense next year, or he could go somewhere else and sit out next year. Gee, I don't know. You know, I was, I was thinking about this the other day. Uh, Toa's going to be back next year. He's bigger and stronger. I'm looking at Toa maybe as coming back as the other tackle. So if you've got two and Chuma and you keep the three, you know, uh, you know, Damien, please, you know, be advised that, you know, you need another year. Viani and Nico, you get those five guys. Uh, you may have your two most dynamic. I know this is, you know, heresy to some extent, but in Deontay Burnett and Michael Pittman, uh, you may have your two most, you know, dynamic receivers back. Uh, you've got Terry Angeline who is showing up every day on the scout team, six, seven kid who can really catch the ball. As your third tight end next year, so you've got a trio, you know, dynamic playmaking tight ends, and then you've got Sam, and you've got, uh, you know, Rojo and Aka Cedric. Uh, this team next year has the makings of some kind of an offense, uh, you know, that you would think Chuma would look at that and say, where else would I want to be? As far as the other three guys you mentioned, uh, because of the issues involved, no one's saying anything, nor can anyone say anything. Uh, I'd be shocked if any of them, you ever, you know, see them again. Maybe, you know, something happens and out of the blue next year, you know, it's resolved in a, those, whatever issues that they've got, which USC absolutely cannot comment on, uh, and we, you know, probably don't want to speculate unless it really becomes, uh, you know, public knowledge, um, that, uh, that their chances of playing, I would think, would be, you know, very, very long, uh, odds against them playing. But, you know, if, if the, uh, whatever, you know, judicial proceedings in USC, outside of USC, if they go in their favor, and, you know, you have to say, well, hey, you know, you're supposed to be, you know, innocent until proven guilty. Uh, I don't know what would happen next year, but I just think it's, you know, one of those things that nobody's thinking about, nobody's talking about, 
uh, and there's almost nothing, you know, knowing about anything, we can't know enough about what happened and what what's all involved. And it's almost not worth the time and effort to try to figure it out because we're really not going to know enough because of the privacy issues and the, you know, and the ways that information is not going to come out. So they're out of sight, out of mind, and and I don't know that anybody's even thinking about what their situations are, and that's kind of, you know, that's, that's a tough deal. But, again, we don't know enough to comment. And so uh, it, it just it really does leave you in a situation where you, you just kind of don't know what to say because you don't know. Yeah, we don't. And uh my guess, I, I mean, those guys, you're not not Chumadoga, but the other guys probably not going to see them again. Um, that's just that's my guess right now. It's just, but it's with Clay Helton, Dan. It's been very. uh We don't get anything else besides whatever the university would say. Like he doesn't add anything. I think in the past you might get a little bit more about this guy or that guy. We're really not getting much, so it's it's there's not a lot to go on there. Yeah, he really goes by the university's book. If the university said, this is our call, this is, these are our rules, this is how it goes, this is, you know, how private it stays, that's how, that's what Clay's saying. And he's not coming down one way or the other, just saying, this is what they tell me and I work for them and, and they call the shot and that's it. All right. He does well, it, and he does it with such, uh, good grace and polite just such a polite way of doing it that you could ask him four times and there are other coaches who, you know, would have come down on somebody really hard for asking uh, a question like that and keep asking it and asking it and asking it. Clay just cannot be more gracious about how he, how he responds and that he can't respond. But thanks. He'll, he'll say, Thanks for the question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you're not getting an answer. Yeah. All right. Well, Dan, great stuff. Thanks for uh, joining us again. We'll see you out there on the practice field here in a little bit. Yes, we will. Okay. Take it easy. All right. That's hey, Dan. Good we- questions again, guys. Thanks yeah. a lot. Good yeah. questions. Yeah. Thanks for all the questions. Uh, thank you, Dan Weber, for coming out. You follow him all over uscfootball.com. Uh, Beat writer and columnist, lots of stories, lots of stuff on the peristyle. So make sure you check it all out for Dan Weber. This is Ryan Abraham, uscfootball.com. Thanks for tuning in, and we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 